TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well, happy Sunday morning. There's nothing like a Sunday morning curveball. We were supposed to be live at the State Fair today, but uh, unfortunately, early this morning, we realized we didn't have power at the booth. Uh, if you're at the State Fair and you're by the booth, we now have power, but I had to call the Audible and come into the studio. So I want to apologize because we had kind of teased the idea that we'd do listener takes and uh, food takes and maybe even ask Blois anything. So I uh, wish I was out at the fair, and uh, we will do it again next year, uh, God willing, and we'll make something happen. Obviously, it's a busy election Year We are 64 days away from the election. Today is September 4th, 2022. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take. It's kind of a cool fall morning. I don't know how uh, everybody felt, but, uh, you know, I had every intention to wear shorts today, and I put uh, pants on and a little vest, and it was a little chilly this morning. So just one of the things to think about, and, uh, you know, it Back to school has happened for some, but obviously Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, the rest of the state gets back to school, and uh, I won't, I won't lie. I felt like the the smell of back to school was in the air today. Uh, and if you're at the fair this morning, I'm guessing you have a quarter zip or some sort of sweatshirt on uh, to start the day. So, thanks for joining me. We're gonna um, we're gonna do the best we can to engage. The listeners, so you can send text to six five one four six one nine two two six with your takes. We're going to kick off the show in a few minutes with Senator Roger Chamberlain and Representative Kali Her, uh, and we're going to talk about the possibility of a special session. We're going to talk about some of the news that came out of the Legislative Auditor's Office and what they're hearing as they door knock, or what they hear from others who are door knocking. What's on the minds of Minnesotans? What's the mood of Minnesota? But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the big story overnight that I did not know when I went to bed last night, and that is that the state fair was shut down early last night. We efforted, as we say in the business, to try to get a state fair spokesperson on this morning. They declined our offer. Obviously, it is a fluid situation, but the fair is open this morning. But late last night, uh, there was a single gunshot near the midway. Uh, and the fair was shut down early, about 10.20, 10.30 p.m. There's a few videos out there about kind of some of the chaos that ensued. And obviously this is a fear in our world right now, wherever you go, wherever mass crowds are gathered. Uh, but, you know, having been to the fair in my entire life, but uh, at night this week for a show, 
it felt so it felt safe. The presence of law enforcement was uh, everywhere. And so as we learn more about this, I'll be back out at the fair with the neighborhood family tomorrow. We uh, we have an annual tradition to get it out there. And then my final uh, my final tip is if you follow me on Twitter at Blois Olson, uh, I have a little I have a little donut poll going this morning because I I'm not going to lie I was looking forward to some treats this morning at the fair before and after the show and when I found out I wasn't going to get to the fair I had to swing by my local C store and grab a couple donuts so what's your favorite donut amongst glazed raised glazed old fashioned or state fair mini donuts? It's a third, a third, a third in the poll right now. When we come back, we're going to talk to Senator Roger Chamberlain, Representative Quali Her, on the possibility of a special session and what they're hearing at the doors as they door knock. I'm Blois Olson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We're back on Sunday Take. I'm Blois Olson. Joining me now for a conversation is Representative Cully Hearer and Senator Roger Chamberlain. They were supposed to be live at the fair. I want to start out by saying thank you for your flexibility this morning to both of you. And, oh, by the way, I'm sorry that uh, you didn't have an excuse to go to the fair this morning. So there you go. (laughs) We'll start out here um, with uh, Representative Hearer. Representative, as you've been knocking on doors, talking to your colleagues, other candidates, what are you what are you sensing in these legislative races that are kind of the top issues that that people have on their minds this year? Uh, thank you, boys, for having us on this morning. Um, you know, I've knocked on thousands of doors this uh, summer, and what I'm hearing from Minnesotans is that they want to have the resources they need to have healthy, safe, and secure families have the resources that they need for their children, have the resources that they need in order to care for their the, the family and elderly. But the number one issue that I'm hearing at the doors is reproductive rights, the woman's right to choose for her own body. And so whether it is a Democrat or somebody who might have leaned GOP before, that that is actually a top issue we've been hearing at the doors. Got it. Senator Chamberlain, what are you hearing at the doors? What are folks uh, talking to you about every day? Crime, 
economy and the condition of our schools. Um, certainly not the uh, same things that uh, Representative Hur has mentioned. It's certainly a whole lot different. So uh, from where I'm at and what I've been hearing, what I've been talking to people, they want some normalcy back in life and they want uh, economic security. They want their kids to be able to read and they want their communities to be safe. And right now they're not getting any of that. So that's what they're talking about. That's what they've asked for. That's what they're concerned about. Senator Chamberlain, I know this week a uh, report came out last week about tests in schools. You, you talk about results of those tests. Um, as, you've, have you, as you've served in the Senate, as you've walked through this process before, obviously, you know, nationally test scores are down too. Are there any initial things here as people get back to school that you think districts and or the state could do to kind of reverse this trend on tests? Yeah, well, we can pick up kind of where we tried to, uh, what we started to do in 2021 and what we uh, tried to continue in 2022. Focus on academics, keeping it simple. Focus on academics. No, no, no need for any new mandates. No need for any new policies. No need for massive, drastic changes in teacher licensing. Focusing on academics, reading and writing and math literally is back to basics that is what we need to do we've spent 12 years on on, on decline here uh and from 59 percent reading proficiency down to under 50 and it's worse for non-white students so uh academics keeping it simple it's not that complicated and that's what the educators have asked for give us strong fair funding and we did that in 2021 largest formula increase in uh, in 15 years, that was my bill. I authored it and I pushed it, and the governor agreed with it. We didn't put any mandates in the system, and we uh, supported teachers of color programs, reading, and a social media initiative. That was it. Um, uh, tried to do that again in 2020. Keep it simple, academics. Um, that's what we need. We don't need uh, massive changes and new mandates. Representative Her, it is clear that um, funding has gone up. We've gone through you know, quote, unprecedented times. I know we're all tired of that word. But there is this sense that, that we need to do something different in our schools. And it's, and it's across the state. It's greater Minnesota. It's the suburbs. It's the urban core. Are there DFL and things that uh, initiatives that you think need to get done sooner? Or uh, what do you agree with or disagree with Senator Chamberlain on when it comes to schools? Well, Bruce, I think that, um, one, to, to begin with, I think that um, Senate GOPs need to come to the table and actually have a discussion with us, right? I mean, this past session, it was very clear that there was very little willingness to come to the table and actually meet with us and talk with us about uh, what needs to happen. I will just say that um, I would disagree with Senator Chamberlain that it isn't just about going back to basics. Teachers have always been teaching the basics, but when you are dealing with a pandemic and unprecedented times when children were learning from uh, remote learning and not having access to the resources that they need to even log in or the internet access that they need in order to connect that that's why DSLers this past year passed the largest investment in uh, broadband uh, to ensure that our children across the state, not only for this pandemic, but for any other issues that we should experience in the future where they need to continue to learn. This is why Democrats came to the table and I carried a bill to eliminate the ELL cross-subsidy because if you're continually going into your general fund 
in order to fund basic learning needs of your students. And we know that uh, ELL learners is not something that we experience here just in the urban areas, that some of our largest growth in ELL populations have been in rural Minnesota, in urban, uh, in areas outside of the Twin Cities. That's why we tried to get rid of the SPED subsidies, the, the special ed uh, cross subsidies, which uh, none of this uh, was even being uh, considered by uh, Republicans in the, uh, in the Senate. And I would also just say that, um, you know, there's much that we can do around this. And we've and our teachers have been amazing in focusing on the basics. What they're asking us and what they need is greater support in paraprofessionals and ensuring that those paraprofessionals are paid equitable amounts in order to be in the classroom to ensure that they have the resources that they need in order to do their job, mental health support for themselves and for students. So if you don't provide teachers with the resources they need, they can't do the basic teachings that children need. And we need to close the disparities in uh, education right now. And we need to raise back our children's ability to to, uh, perform because of the unprecedented last two years. My guests are Representative Cully Herr, a Democrat from the House, and Senator Roger Chamberlain, a Republican from the Senate. We're talking about kind of education as we get back to school Cully her I representative her I want to um, kind of come back to what you you've said and and this is just an observation but it's in the headlines a lot these last couple of years and that is that you know some of the greatest disruption or distance away from school from remote learning to uh, challenges has been in both Minneapolis and St. Paul schools and we know that that's where some of our biggest challenges with scores and testing and competencies is for education. If you just peel away, those also seem to be the districts that do have, you know, they they obviously they have some some great challenges, but they've also had quite a few resources. Is there is there a moment where you think maybe there's there's some things that our urban schools are, need to do differently? Um, than they've done the last few years. And I, I asked that from a from a place of just curiosity because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know I have kids who are in a first strings district. There's kids all over the school. But when you look mm-hmm. at where the test scores are, are, are lacking the most and you look at the kids who were away from the classroom the longest, um, those are our urban schools. Any sense of what we could do quickly to, to try to help them? That's a really great question, boys, and I think that the answer, it sounds like a very simple question, but the answer is actually quite, the question is actually quite complex, right? We're looking at addressing the disparities that we're seeing in schools, but we also know that within these urban areas, we have some of the greatest disparities around uh, housing and housing stability, food security, economic security, and uh, we've spent, as a state, right, hundreds of years investing in infrastructures that actually excluded certain people from participating in our economy, whether it was redlining that prevented people from owning homes, or now that they have generations of people who have housing insecurity, whether it is the ways that we have actually looked at wages and low wages for, uh, you know, our newer immigrants that live in uh, primarily some of these urban areas or those who've been stuck in a cycle of poverty and low-paying jobs that can't break out that our lack of willingness to look at the intersection of the issues that face that people face is actually what creates the space in which it is difficult for children to learn that if you are in an urban area that people think that you have broadband access and you really don't or that you have uh, inter- um, connect- access to high-speed internet you you really don't I mean we still have area dead zones here within the urban areas when we haven't invested in schools to make sure that children have the the technology that they need to connect 
they're not going to be able to. And so we're already dealing with greater challenges. And we're continually having pushback from our GOP colleagues from funding LGA, which looks at needs of cities and that we know that the needs of our cities are greater. That we can't solve these problems without looking at the complexities of people and the ways in which we've gotten to a place where these disparities are so great. I'll just give you one more example in that the homelessness issues or our unsheltered population. We are trying to get resources to ensure that we can uh, to help this particular segment of our population. And people seem to think that this is a St. Paul, Minneapolis issue. But the truth is, is that 60% of the homelessness that comes into our city comes from other counties and other areas within the state of Minnesota. But yet Ramsey County, in this county I'm in, is having to address this issue. So when you're having high levels of homelessness and children who are transient, who are coming into our space here and we need to educate, that's going to be a problem. We're going to have to look at this from a much more nuanced perspective. Why is it that in these areas our children aren't performing and what are the additional resources that are needed? Representative Heard, just one follow-up on that. And I understand that these are multidimensional, very complex issues. But do you think Minneapolis and St. Paul students should have been back in the classroom sooner? You know, I, I don't know if I could make that call because we didn't have the information we needed in order to say, is it is it within the public health interest to send children back into a space in which they're going to bring uh, issues home to their families, right? Okay. COVID back to their families. I mean, it's you know, it's a tough call to make, and I'm, you know, I'm thankful that it was Governor Walz making those decisions and, and really trying to protect Minnesotans and trying to balance what our kids are going to, how our kids are going to learn. Great. Senator Chamberlain, I want to pivot here. Uh, we have a surplus. Uh, inflation is high. It, is there any chance that Republicans would agree to come back into a special session? And if there is, what issues, what limited agenda do you think would be on the table? I don't think there's really any appetite either side of the aisle to go back in session in, in uh, September with two months left before the election. Um, I don't think uh, with the political environment the way it is, it's going to be really hard to come to any agreement on anything. Um, yes, there's about $10, $12 billion on the table, and that's what, that's what it basically is going to be in play. Uh, we had great proposals out there. The governor, um, frankly, the governor walked away. And by the way, my K-12 proposal was exactly what the schools wanted. A six-fold increase in special ed, no mandates, uh, money for mental health, and uh, for reading. So, uh, I don't know. At this point in September, in the election season, two months before the election, I don't know that there's much appetite on either side of the aisle to go back in and uh, grind away at that stuff. I think I don't think the population of the people would be very appreciative um, uh, for that. Unless, barring any emergency, I don't know why we'd uh, why'd we do that. Representative Her, uh, DFL legislators feel like it'd be good to come back before the election and do something with the surplus or first schools. Well, I would just uh, you know point back to what our speaker has been saying this entire time that Governor Walton and Speaker Hortman have met extensively with Senate Majority Leader Miller, and they, you know, June and into uh, later into the summer, and they were interested in coming back. They wanted to uh, come back and especially uh, finish up some of the work that we started, and it's actually uh, Senate uh, GOP that don't want to come back because of political reasons, and so we are always open to it, and, you know, we are always uh, putting Minnesotans first so that we can take care of them, and we would come back to do that. Representative Her, Senator Chamberlain, I really want to thank you for joining me on Sunday Take. Last question. 
Senator Chamberlain goes first. What's your favorite state fair food? And had we been there this morning, what would you have gone out, gone out and gotten? Well, funny you say that, uh, Mr. Olson. <laughs> I, I got here early, so I'm enjoying the fair. Good for I'm you. By the dairy building, uh, looking at the haunted house. So um, I don't know. I've been here for two years. It's the first time in uh, two years I've been here. I miss it, so I'm going to wander around a bit. And I love to hear the voices and the conversations and taking the whole thing. It's it's Minnesota. You know, people come here from all walks of life, and they just have fun, they get along, and they don't want to kill each other. So it's a great place to be, see Minnesota, and experience. As far as fair food, I always like the foot-long hot dog. That's my, my go-to all the time. Got it. Representative Her. Uh, I would say that for me, turkey legs, when my family knew that I was coming in this morning, everybody gave me an order and I was supposed to bring a little cooler <laughs> to buy like 12 turkey legs for everybody. So that's our favorite. It's our family's favorite. And I'm still looking forward to going in today and getting some. So, Well, I want to thank you both for your flexibility this morning as we had a tech issue. So I will talk to you guys down the road, I'm sure. Thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye. Uh, just as an update, if you just started to tune in, we were supposed to be live at the fair today with Sunday Take, but we didn't have any power at 7 o'clock this morning, and so the boss man made a call and asked me to come into the studio instead, but uh, we're taking your calls, your texts, uh, the next half hour at 651-461-9226 with your politics takes, your state fair takes, even a Ask Blaise Anything. I'm Blaise Holson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. It's 9.35 on Sunday morning, September 4th, 2022. We are 64 days away from the election. And uh, you can ask me anything this morning. 651-461-9226. Send me your calls, your texts. Ask Blois anything. We're going to rip this off from Chad and Adam. Since, you know, they don't have a lot of original ideas on that show all the time, we will do that. And, you know, since it was chilly this morning, I even wore a vest thinking that, you know, I could be at the fair in a vest and Chad could roast me a little. But instead, here I am in the studio. Uh, Thanks for your calls and your text. You know, on Friday, I joined Jason DeRussia, Drive Time with DeRussia, and we talked about the fair and the politics at the fair and just kind of the mood of Minnesota. State Fair is one of those places that you really do start to get a sense of where things are at an election. And let's be clear, November is still a long way away. There are plenty of twists and turns, and there's never just one thing in an election that wins it or loses it for a candidate. There's a great article in the Star Tribune this morning about the 1990 governor's race, a TV debate there, between John Grunseth, Arnie Carlson, and then-Governor Rudy Perpich. It's, uh, it's written by Randy First. Uh, it, it is a good read for those of you who either weren't alive or weren't in Minnesota. That was the first governor's race that I became fascinated with. I was an 18-year-old college fresh, freshman in Wisconsin, but I followed it as much as I could. Um, and my mom would send me the newspapers at college uh, so I could – read them. Of course, there was no internet in those days. And uh, I would call back and talk to friends and family. And and that's where my interest and intrigue with governor's races uh, really deepened. Uh, and it hasn't changed. In fact, here we are 32 years later, and 
uh, we find ourselves in the depth of another governor's race. So on Friday when I was with Derusha uh, on the air, he, he asked me a simple question, and I didn't know it was coming, but he said, who won the fair? And I, you know, and I thought about it, and, and I think that you, know, you have to think of these races, and in this case the governor's race, as a week-by-week game or a week-by-week competition. Sometimes you win a week, sometimes you lose a week, sometimes there's a draw during a week. And the week before, Scott Jensen had had a really rough week. It was his comments about uh, the Holocaust. Uh, He was in reaction mode for several days. The state fair kicked off. He kind of found his footing with being out there for five, six hours every day. Governor Walls was out there. They, they, They just, there was a different vibe between them. Neither good nor bad. They were just different. So, for instance... You know, Scott Jensen had more energy than a Republican gubernatorial candidate in a while. That doesn't mean that Governor Walls didn't have energy. There was certainly positive energy around Governor Walls. And yet Republicans have worked really hard, which is natural, to create some negative energy around Governor Walls. But Democrats haven't worked as hard to create as much negativity at the retail level, retail politics being the fair hand-to-hand Glad handing, shaking hands against uh, uh, Senator or Dr. Jensen, and so you'll see Walls failed backpacks and fans at the fair, but you don't see Jensen anti-Jensen messaging there. So it, it creates a little bit of a disparity in what you see and what you feel and what you hear. But there's no doubt that Dr. Jensen has more energy than Jeff Johnson, who was the GOP nominee the last two cycles. And with that comes the different dynamic. Now, his he's got energy, but there's not a line 50 or 100 deep like there was in 1998 when Jesse Ventura was at the fair, where you really understood that maybe there was something about the third party or an independent bid. And so I said to Jason, I think Jensen won the fair, but I think he had to. I think he had to create a different kind of energy, A, for Republicans, and B, for his campaign at the fair. On the flip side, Governor Walls had a good fair. He's had a good fair. There's one quote from the fair about our kids getting back to school, not missing school after the pandemic, that I think we're going to see replayed over and over again. And similar to the last conversation with those legislators, I don't think that the sense of our schools right now is necessarily about these polarizing issues. Of course, the left and the right are going to polarize and they're going to attack. But I think the middle Minnesota or the the mood of Minnesota as we go back to school is let's just try to let's get better. Let's get back to some level of exceptionalism. And I wrote a week and a half ago that 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 seemed to be like, let's just Let's kind of wipe the slate clean and start to be focused on the more simple things of school because school seems to have gotten complicated. And I'm not talking about polarizing issues like critical race theory or certain curriculum things. I'm just talking about let the kids go to school, try to get them to learn, let the teachers, you know, be there. We had a I heard an example where curriculum was changed twice during a pandemic. That's not exhausting just for the students. That's exhausting for the teachers. 
And so I think wherever you are uh, across the state, as we get our kids back to school, that's what we want. We want exceptionalism. We want to do the best no matter where you are. We've got some tax questions coming in, some of them uh, some of them political, some of them food-related. Why are county sheriffs elected and not hired by the county board? Well, that goes to probably the founding of the state and the way in which the counties were structured in the early days of the state, that they needed a certain amount of elected officials. Now, I do believe counties could have a referendum to change the idea that sheriffs are hired and not elected. Um, and I say that when I came into the studio this morning, uh, there was a there's a coffee cup from the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Dave Hutchinson, and I thought to myself, well, that might be a collector's item uh, because we we know that that has been obviously not an ideal uh term of service for Sheriff Hutchinson. Uh, But it raises the question, should we elect our sheriffs? So I I do believe that counties could change that if they wanted to on their own. Uh, But they may need an exception from the legislature. But there's also this sense that, um, you know, that these officials represent the will of the people. And so if the county commissioners represent the will of the people, and those are often kind of low-profile races, then the county attorney, the county sheriff, those also represent the will of the people. And so uh, that's, my, uh, that's my sense um, of why we elect those folks. Um, another question here. Where do I feel like the governor's race polls are right now? So uh, for a few weeks, I've said this is a four to six point race with walls in the lead, and it will be until there's four to six weeks left. Historically, Minnesota voters decide governor's races in the last four weeks. Sometimes it's the last two weeks, and there's this shift. And uh, the the key factors that I am watching right now uh, in the governor's race, first and foremost, is turnout. In 2018, DFLers had the highest turnout ever. And in fact, Jeff Johnson got more votes as the Republican than any other Republican in history in 2018. And he still lost by 300,000 votes to Governor Walls. And so you have to start to look at the multi-dimensional factors in the governor's race. First is Democratic turnout, especially in Hennepin and Ramsey County and the suburbs. Can they get the turnout that they got in 2018? So that's pre-pandemic. That's not a presidential year. It's a midterm. Then I start to look at uh, the suburbs, and that's where independent voters, independent college-educated women are. And Democrats clearly got an energy boost from the overturning of Roe in that audience. Now, that audience previous was pretty fired up about crime and schools. So how does that balance itself out? Does Walls perform as well in the suburbs as he did four years ago? If there's any slippage there, then and then there's slippage in turnout, then you can see the race close uh, tighter. Greater Minnesota, I think that Dr. Jensen will perform better than Jeff Johnson did. 
and Tim Walls will not garner as many votes in greater Minnesota. I think it's the pandemic. It's just kind of the mood of the state and where we're at. So those are the major factors that I am watching. And I'm also watching to see what and how Scott Jensen gets on TV, if there's any other pieces. Finally, it's which candidate is responding more than they are making their opponent respond. And I think that's what we're going to see in in debates, and I think there will be debates. Your texts are coming in. Thank you, 651-461-9226. How do we keep politics out of school board elections? You know, look, I I think politics politics naturally historically is a, a part of all elections. Um but I think that one thing that's happened especially in suburban school districts in the last decade or longer is party endorsements. We've started to see DFLers and Republicans endorse in school board races. Now on the ballot these are nonpartisan races. But either political parties or teachers unions or local partisans have decided to make them partisan, which then makes them more polarizing naturally. So I would be for, you know, it not being a partisan race. On the flip side, I think that there's something about school boards and it depends on where you live and and what the issues of your community are. But ultimately, the school board has to have some sort of accountability to the results in the classroom. And I have sensed the last couple of years that a lot of school boards are caught up in the idea that the curriculum is decided by the superintendent and some curriculum people, that some other policies are there. You know, my home school district of Moundsview, I know a few school board members up there and, you know, they kind of let the leaders lead, but they, they dealt with the community. And I think that's where school board members need to hear more from the community. And frankly, it's the community's responsibility to engage the school board members. Hey, thanks for listening to Sunday Take. This morning, we're going to take a a break here. There's 64 days left in the election. What are you thinking about? 651-461-9226. We'll talk state fair. We'll talk food when I come back after these messages. We're back. It's 9.53. really want to thank everybody for their flexibility. Representative Herr, uh, Senator Chamberlain, I wish we were at the fair today. Hey, just uh, in the inbox, at 11 o'clock, State Fair officials will be giving an update on last night's incident, which led to the State Fair closing early, a single gunshot, a single gunshot victim uh, who is uh, expected to make it, and kind of the clearing in the midway. There was apparently some fights and some commotion in the midway prior to uh, them shutting down the fair about a half hour early last night. I know our newsroom will have the latest and State Fair officials will address the media at 11 a.m. All right, it's time for some food takes from the fair. kind of wish I was out there today. I'll be out there tomorrow uh, with fa- friends and family, uh, and I probably won't be watching too much politics, maybe a little, but uh, I'll be uh, having a couple cold ones and uh, relaxing before we get the kids back to school here. All right. So what are the top three new foods from Blois's list uh, at the fair? First is the Farmer's Union Pork Schnitzel Sandwich. It was tremendous. I've had it twice. I plan on having it again. Uh, It was very, very good. Second is the Soul Stick from Soul Bowls. 
This is not something I would usually get. I got it because I was at the fair. And uh, it's not something I could eat daily or, you know, maybe once a week. But but it it uh, it, it had a ton of flavor. It was really good. Third would be breakfast gnocchi from our friends at Blue Barn. Yes, they're a client and they're a friend. But, I mean, pesto and gnocchi in the morning. I mean, come on. It's just so good. Some eggs. And then the runner-up is the RC uh, barbecue rib tips. I mean, they were the beef tips. They were ex- exceptional. The thing that I've come to appreciate about the fair is the flavor um, of some of these new dishes. Uh, that there's more prep than just throwing a hot dog in a bun. Not that there's anything wrong with the foot-long hot dog that I had Thursday as I left the fair with raw onions and ketchup just to tweak uh, Carter and Hartman. Next week on Sunday Take, I have no idea what we're talking about. Why? Because we don't know what's going to happen this week in Minnesota politics. But you can always follow along. Subscribe to The Morning Take. Go to fluence-newsletters.com. We send out The Morning Take every day before 7. We send out Lunch Take around 11.30. Both of those cover politics, business, sports. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we have Ag Take about state of agriculture here. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have Health Take about the healthcare industry. You can always follow me on Twitter at Blois Olson or look up Morning Take on Twitter or Facebook if you want to receive it that way and you don't want it in your email box. I want to thank everybody for their text today. Uh, again, we dealt with the curveball. We did it well. Fun to do a live show here in the studio. And uh, I want everybody to have a good week. We've had uh, we've had a good summer. This weather is reminding us that fall is right around the corner. The kids are going back to school. The election's 64 days away. Take a deep breath. Pace yourself. And relax on this Labor Day weekend. I'm Blaise Olson. That's Sunday Take for this week. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.